Is Draymond Green to the Sacramento Kings really a possibility or is Green in his camp just using the Kings for leverage in his negotiation with the Warriors to talk about Green's potential fit in Sacramento, plus what's happening with Draymond and Golden State, and even some talk on Kyle Kuzma to the Sacramento Kings. Sports radio host Kyle Madsen joins me right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News and... Thank you for clicking on the video. I know many of you are not fans of Draymond Green, and maybe you're just clicking on this video or listening to this podcast so that you can comment and say, Matt, what the hell are you doing? You already talked about Draymond Green to the Kings. Stop this nonsense. It's crap. We don't Draymond want Draymond here in Sacramento. He stomped out DeMontis Sabonis. He yelled at the Kings crowd. No, 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 no. And click off video or end podcast. <laughs> if that's you, stick around, please. Please stick around because Kyle Madsen, who is, maybe this isn't helping sell it, but Kyle Madsen grew up a diehard fan of the Golden State Warriors. He's worked in Bay Area Sports Radio. He's worked in Sacramento Sports Radio. He very much understands both the Kings and Warriors positions, which is why he's the perfect guy to have here on the podcast to talk about this. Because whether we like it or not, Draymond Green is well-connected to the Sacramento Kings in multiple facets. And on top of that, Draymond Green makes sense as a Kings target. Doesn't necessarily mean he's the right target to get or that the Kings are going to go out and pay $30 million for him. But it makes sense that there are connections between Draymond and the Sacramento Kings, regardless of what happened in the playoffs. So Kyle and I are going to discuss his potential fit. Kyle and I are going to discuss whether or not like Kyle Kuzma would be a better option than Draymond or Harrison Barnes would be a better option than Draymond. Uh, this conversation is, is really fun. I think you're really, really going to uh, enjoy it, even if you don't like the idea of Draymond Green to Sacramento. And of course, feel free, as always, uh, to share your opinions, your thoughts on the situation. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. But for now, here is my conversation with Kyle Madsen. Thanks to some savvy draft night moves, the Sacramento Kings have money. How are they going to spend that money? Or really, should I say cap space? We know they have money. Now they have the space to go out and make some moves in free agency. And of course, one of the names connected to the Sacramento Kings, whether you like it or not, Draymond Green is there. He's going to be connected to the Sacramento Kings for multiple reasons, just based off of who's the head coach of the team, the proximity of the team, what happened in the playoffs between these two teams. And here to talk a little bit more about potentially Draymond to Sacramento, if the Kings should even try, uh, and other targets out there. Kyle Madsen, who has a history in Sacramento and Bay Area Sports Talk Radio, as well as a big uh, a big follow for 49ers coverage uh, with the uh, Candlestick Chronicles podcast and Niners Wire. Kyle, welcome into Locked on Kings, man. Or should I say welcome back to Locked on Kings. Draymond Green in a Kings uniform. Can you stomach that more than you can stomach Chris Paul in a Warriors uniform? Yeah, 100%. I'm still not wrapping my head around the Chris Paul in a Warriors uniform thing. I don't even know. How, I, I I don't know. I'll figure it out when I get there. I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. But I love I the like chaos. 
<laughs> yeah, of course. It, when it and when that first idea first got floated, it was like that's so dumb. They would never do that. And then, sure enough, like why not? So, uh, not a Warriors pod though. Uh, we'll stick on the on the Draymond Kings thing, so I don't whine about Chris Paul for for forty minutes. <laughs> oh, I'm here for it. <laughs> no, so I originally tossed out the Draymond to Sacramento idea as, and I was not the originator of the like. This is a. I'm not saying I had an original thought here, but I kind of threw it out as like a like a troll job just kind of like yeah hey what about this but then the more i kind of started thinking about it and fake defending this fake position i had it started to make more sense and the the thing i come back to is i i don't i don't think it works in a scenario where you're starting draymond and sabonis i don't i don't think those two can share the court together effectively unless you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson uh, on the wings. And that's how Draymond and Kevon Looney can share the floor because the Warriors can still space it uh, enough. I, I don't, I don't love the fit with them together, but Draymond is like the backup five where they play maybe in spurts together, but then Sabonis is leaving the floor and Draymond's coming on and a adding a layer of defense and, and, and leadership from a championship team. And then also being able to do a lot of the stuff that Sabonis does offensively. And then also one of the main issues Sabonis had in that warrior series was when he was given space, he didn't know what to do with it. Mm. He would catch at the elbow, the dribble handoff wouldn't be there. And then he would turn around and it was like, now what? Mm -hmm. Draymond has spent his entire career figuring out how to attack that space and eat that space and force defenders to make decisions and then making passes to players on the wings who defenders have now left because Draymond's driving. So that, if he can also help Sabonis in that area, like, hey man, when you're open, just drive and then keep your head up and figure out where the ball goes. I think that would help a lot. The problem is, is Draymond is probably not taking that role. At least not on the Kings. He might take that role with Golden State, but... I don't think he's taking that role with the Kings necessarily for a whole season. And is he worth 30 plus million dollars, which is probably what you're going to have to pay him to get him in a backup role that, okay. So now we're living in reality. I don't, I don't think it fits the, there's so much to unpack with what you just said, because I agree with you. Like if the, if Sorry, the Kings I rambled. Are, no, it's great. <laughs> if, if the Kings are bringing in Draymond green, it's because, they view him as that starting four. And I'll actually, I guess I'll start here because I've had multiple people around the Warriors, around the NBA, even some in Sacramento say, like, Draymond Green is kind of exactly what the Sacramento Kings need or are missing. Do you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Yes. So yes. how do you apply how do you get exactly what you need? but it doesn't fit with what you do like that. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying <laughs> so, to figure out. Cause the defense makes sense and the enforcer and that, that kind of personality, yes. I think makes a ton of sense. But if the Kings are going to totally handicap their offense by doing it to me, it's an instant. No. Right. So it's, it's exactly what they need from all those standpoints that you just laid out. But then you have to figure out what to do with the fact that if Draymond gets more than 15 feet from the basket, nobody's guarding him. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? And teams, I promise, are going to watch what the Warriors did in the playoffs, and they're going to guard Sabonis the same way. Mm -hmm. And so how does Sabonis figure that out? And how do you also then work Draymond into that equation? And then there's just the there's there's the off-court stuff 
where it's okay they're talking Sabonis is a core piece of this team he's going to be a guy they're going to extend him and they're going to build around him Draymond stomped on this dude's chest like <laughs> a couple months ago up, like not that long ago King's crowd after it stood on the bench and riled up the king's crowd right, right after it hey welcome right. to Sacramento and and with what I know and and you know Kings fans are are phenomenal and if Draymond plays three games where he's hustling his butt off on defense and he's blocking shots and he's making passes and he's doing his you know six points 11 boards nine assists and he's oh the Kings are three and oh and it's like oh Draymond yeah and he's gonna be accepted but I don't know I don't how do you approach the bonus there a guy that Draymond has said I don't have respect for that guy mm-hmm. that's the that's more kind of the issue for me because Mike Brown's a smart guy. The Kings coaching staff is, is very good. I think they could figure out the on-court stuff with him and Sabonis. I think you can you can kind of work around that. But it's it's does it mess up this awesome chemistry that the Kings have? Is it worth because the Warriors want to pay the Warriors got Chris Paul expecting to get Draymond back. The Warriors aren't gonna go, hey, here's 25 a year, figure it out, and the Kings can go, hey, here's you know, 26. It's gonna cost like 30 plus million dollars. And that's where that's where I start to kind of get a little bit hung up because his game is a little bit limited. He's entering his mid thirties. I don't know that his he's his his game and his playing style are going to age great. So, okay, maybe it's maybe it's really nice this year, but what does that look like in year two or year three of that deal? I I I get all he brings to the table for what the Kings you know need. But I think there's there's so many hurdles with his shooting, with his lack of offense, the chemistry stuff that that I don't I don't know that they can figure that out. There's so many fun little podcasty questions with this topic. That's why I'm so excited to have you on because I know you <laughs> understand them. The, the first one is even in Golden State, is Draymond Green even worth 30 plus million dollars like the player that he is mm. not the personality the player that he is and what he brings to that team and i'm 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 more of a supporter of draymond than most people here even though i did not like anything that he did against the sacramento kings insane. during the playoff series but totally like, i like i like draymond the villain i think i think villains are good for the league like i think when Le- lebron mm. was a villain in miami phenomenal for the league draymond a villain phenomenal for a league uh, for mm-hmm. the league so even KD, the villain, phenomenal for the league. So I like what Draymond Green brings, and I appreciate what he brings. But is he a $30 million player, even on the team that he's won multiple championships for? Hmm. <laughs> sort of. From a... from a, I, I think to the Warriors, yes. Because if you remove Draymond Green, just from the Warriors, I, I'm, I'm zooming in here. If you remove Draymond Green from that equation, it changes everything they're doing defensively. It changes everything they're doing offensively. You're removing the player who is best suited to play alongside Steph Curry because of how long they've been doing it. Like that's, that's a, that's a big factor. They've been playing together for 10 plus years now. And that, that synergy that they have, that kind of stuff matters. The little like savvy illegal screens he can throw that gets Steph open. Like that kind of stuff. If you remove that, Steve Kerr said it, they're not a championship team without Draymond. And I kind of tend to agree because now you have to figure out, okay, who's replacing him? And then what does your offense look like? What are you doing defensively? Like, what does any of that look like? Who's taking on that leadership? There's going to be a leadership vacuum. Who takes that on? 
So I think to the Warriors, yes. And I think there's a there's a financial aspect of it too, where Joe Lacob, uh, the, the Warriors owner, is looking at this financially and going, hey, if Draymond walks and then Clay walks next summer and it's Steph and eh, now you're going to have a hard time getting people into your brand new building. Mm-hmm. And I think the longer you can keep that trio together and the longer that you can continue to push this, they've won four titles together. Oh, they, they've never, they've never lost a finals or they've all been together like that. That kind of thing is, I think, valuable for the Warriors from a marketing standpoint and getting people in that building and paying for things. And so that's why I think there's a, there's a level of desire to bring him back. Even if on the court, he's not that caliber of player anymore. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check mark to show you that the part will fit or you get your money back because just like in sports, Confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I have this image in my head of Draymond Green and, and his camp just grinning from ear to ear and, and licking their chops, almost looking at Mike Dunleavy Jr. and inheriting this position. And, and I I think Draymond has a ton of leverage in this position that he's in for all the reasons you just stated. And if he's using the Sacramento Kings for even more leverage, I'm fine with that. You're in? Like, <laughs> I'm, okay. Like if you use the Sacramento Kings for even more leverage to get more money and more cap space taken up from the Golden State Warriors and he doesn't end up a king, I think I'm okay with that. I've been wrestling back and forth with like – Part of me would love the idea of Draymond Green in Sacramento because of what it would do for the show, because of what it would do for the Kings exposure. <laughs> and I think Draymond Green could would actually help the Sacramento Kings win basketball games. I but I decided I don't want to deal with it. I and 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 you brought up like you 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 brought up like the Sabonis uh Draymond Green relationship. I think mm-hmm. initially they would try and do everything in their power to make that look like it was in the past. Like Sabonis, oh, no, it's great to have him here. Draymond, right. oh, great, great to be here. Draymond and Fox are really, really close. It's what happens when the Kings blow a defensive assignment. Even if Draymond Green is just echoing the message of Mike Brown, Draymond yells in the face of Sabonis or yells in the face of Fox or whoever mm-hmm. that player is. What happens then? Like that. Mm-hmm. That's where the reaction that I'm not entirely sure about, and I'm not sure that he will be able to bring and establish as a leader in Sacramento what he's been able to do in Golden State. Even if he has all these rings and this respect, mm-hmm. I don't think he could just come into Sacramento, kick the door down, and say, "All right, listen to me, you mother effers." Like he's a drill right. sergeant. <laughs> right. That respect is earned, and that was the whole thing with with him and Jordan Poole this year. Mm-hmm. As he punches Jordan Poole in the face, and oh, that they lost that trust, and now it's about building that trust back. And you could tell, like, it affected Golden State this season. You could watch and you could see it, or you could listen to Draymond and Steve Kerr and everybody talk about it. And so Draymond would be now stepping into a situation where he has to build up that level of trust. And I'm totally with you. With the with the camaraderie that this Kings team has, the first time that Draymond tries to lay into somebody, 
how does that how does that go like if he tries to is he gonna light up darren fox or malik monk or sabonis i i just don't i don't necessarily see it and if you're missing that part of draymond's game i think that's a significant reason he's valuable and if he doesn't have that then he's just kind of a he's just he's just a, a good fine player there's one reason in particular I haven't been able to dismiss Draymond to Sacramento altogether, even if there's rumors and reports about it, and it's Mike Brown. The connection yeah. between Mike Brown and Draymond, we know they had a really, really solid relationship, and I, I, I see those reports and see those conversations. Don't think it's a coincidence that this incident happens after Mike Brown leaves and how mm -hmm. much did Mike Brown actually keep Draymond and the, that team in check versus the struggles that Steve Kerr had this year. I don't think that's 100% fair, but I think there's something to that. Mm-hmm. In your mind, like Mike Brown, the Draymond Green whisperer, like is is that what makes Draymond work if he comes to Sacramento? Is just Mike Brown being here? Bob Myers was the Draymond Green whisperer. Mm -hmm. Like that's that that's the the thing here. I think Mike Brown was responsible for you know some of the vibes and stuff, but I think the way Jordan Poole was talking, and then he pushes Draymond. I think Draymond was going to swing on him no matter who was standing there and bob myers was in the building bob myers was there hmm. and and it still happened but that's that's kind of the big thing over on the on the warrior side is what do they do now that bob myers not in the building who has that cachet to kind of talk draymond down there was a game i think it was uh, minnesota maybe late in the year minnesota or new orleans i think it was new orleans oh it was it was New Orleans because that was the clip of him like yapping with Herb Jones and then he gets subbed out and Herb Jones like, you got to go. Um, and Draymond's on the bench freaking out and Bob Myers literally walks over and is like, dude, these guys need you. Like mm -hmm. you can either walk away or get back in the huddle and, and figure it out they're going to follow you. And I don't know who does that now. And I don't know if Mike Brown does that in, in Sacramento or if Draymond just, like I said, kind of takes more of a back seat. I don't, I'm not, I'm not totally sure how that would work, but I do think the Mike Brown factor matters in terms of if you're talking about reigning Draymond in or his antics or whatever. I don't, <laughs> the thing is, is on a game to game basis, it's not as bad as you like expect. Mm -hmm. It's not an every game thing. It only gets blown up because chances are you're only seeing the bad stuff that happens. So I, I don't, I don't think it would be as big of a deal from from a like behavioral standpoint as it as it comes across last thing about draymond that i'll ask and i've thought about this a lot and i i like i have this this is my anti-warriors fan coming out my wanting to i told you sh so warriors uh, fans on twitter and i openly admit that like what happens first Sacramento Kings fans fully embracing Draymond and he's ours now. Welcome to Sacramento. We got you. Or Warriors fans seeing that side of Draymond that they've always seen when he's on their team, but like he hip checks or decides to maybe, because I have a, I have this image in my head of the first time Draymond Green plays the Warriors, no matter whose team he's on, he's going to do something to, even if he and Steph are close, like a little hip check bump to Steph or like a little show. He's just going to do something. He's Draymond hmm. Green. He's going to do it with a smile on his face. 
And is, is how is Warrior fandom going to turn on him or see this and go, oh, this is what everybody was complaining about. So what happens first? Kings fans embrace him or Warriors fans are like, oh, this guy sucks. <laughs> I think the Warriors fan thing, because a lot of people, and here's, here's the, Draymond will never, ever be like persona non grata with Golden State. Mm -hmm. If he goes to the Kings and that happens, it, let's say it happens at Chase Center, the booze will rain down. Everyone's, oh, get Draymond. But he retires. He comes back for his jersey retirement ceremony. People are going to understand everything he did for Golden State. Right. Because was he their best player? No, he was never even the second best player on a team. But he was vitally important to everything that's happened since, since 2014, 2015. So I don't think he'll ever be like hated here the way a guy like uh, Spencer Hawes is hated in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. But I do think that if he were to leave for more money with Sacramento, I think it would very much, there would immediately be some Warriors fans that are like, screw him. Like, what the hell? You're talking about running it back and you know trying to win championships together. So you punch a guy in the face, they trade that guy to keep you around, and then you leave? I think there would be some of that. There would be a little bit of animosity right away, but I don't think it would ever be a, it would ever be a kind of thing where it's like, no, don't show your face in San Francisco again. So Warriors fans hating Draymond before Kings fans embrace him because I think there are fans who would dislike him before Kings fans even had a chance. One of the other options that the Kings could target for that starting four spot with the money in the cap space that they've opened up is Kyle Kuzma. Now, the Kings have already tried to trade for Kyle Kuzma. That was the failed buddy healed Lakers trade when the Lakers decided to go uh, in another direction with the Wizards to, to get Russell Westbrook. So, and Kyle Kuzma, for some reason, like I did this exercise during the draft because the Kings didn't have a selection until the second round, so I was bored. <laughs> I went down, I went through K Kuzma's game log, and I wrote down all of his games in Sacramento, and I found nine games in Sacramento. Essentially, he's averaging like 19 points a game in Sacramento, but the reason why I felt like he's always killed the Kings in Sacramento is because in three of the nine times he's played in Sacramento, he has 30-plus point, point games. Like, for some oh, reason, goodness. he just plays well in this building. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the idea of Kyle Kuzma instead of Draymond Green? Does he impact winning more? Is he a better fit because of what he brings offensively? Certainly not as good defensively. Younger, of course. Like, What do you think about Kyle Kuzma as a Kings target? I was originally out because I just kind of, I don't, just total transparency. I'm trying to do this more. I don't watch like a ton of Kyle Kuzma tape. <laughs> just to be just to be totally just to be totally transparent but then you you mentioned to me that, that we we're going to talk about him so i did a, a little bit of research and i think there's a version of kyle kuzma that's a really perfect fit for for the kings um in la in his last two seasons in la he was 13 5 and like one and a half he shot like 34 percent from three and then his shooting splits were about the same during his two years in washington but he was scoring like 19 points a game with like eight boards and almost four assists. And I think if you're getting 19, eight and four from Kyle Kuzma, you have something wrong. Like I, I, I don't think that that's ideal. Hmm. So I think there's a version of Kyle Kuzma that's kind of in between his last couple of years in LA where he was a, you know, very much a role player. And then where he was like a star type of player, like a one B kind of guy with the, with the wizards. 
And if you can get like 15, seven and, and three from him, and if he's shooting, you know, 35, 36% because his threes are now more open, I think that's immensely helpful. And I go back to the the postseason because that's kind of the lens I'm viewing every Kings thing through now is how does this help them in the playoffs? And I think Kyle Kuzma is the kind of player who he's played in big games. He's played in the finals. I don't think you're going to see a, a, a spot where like Kevin Herter, let's let's keep it a buck. He was brutal in the Bad. playoffs. And, and this is a track record now. This is a career long issue of, of three point shooting in the playoffs. And Kyle Kuzma is I, I don't think that you would see that necessarily from him. I don't think he's he's going to shrink in the moment. So I I really like the fit. Like you said, he's he's six years younger than Draymond, five or six years younger than Draymond. Um, you have fewer hurdles to overcome in terms of the off-court stuff, which I think is helpful. And I I think he he's a six eight, six nine wing. You get him in a good environment like Sacramento, a good defensive environment. I think he figures it out defensively a little bit. Where, you know, maybe he's not you know, Kawhi, but I don't, I, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a turnstile either. So I like the Kuzma fit more than I like Draymond fit where I think if you're paying him, let's call it 30 million. Let's just for, for a round number, I'd feel more comfortable paying that for, for Kuzma than Draymond just because I, I, I don't know. I just like what he brings a little bit, a little bit more for the Kings. I love what you said about Kuzma's Wizards numbers because I think that's extremely important. You can't copy and paste the numbers that he put up in Washington into Sacramento mm -hmm. because the reality is the Kings are looking for, at best, a fourth option, sometimes a fifth option. Like That's mm -hmm. what Harrison Barnes is. That's what you're replacing. Exactly. Because there are going to be some games where Kevin Herter's going off and he's your fourth option or even third option. Keegan Murray, the expectation from the Kings is that he's going to take that step. I think Keegan Murray's going to get more touches and more shot attempts based mm -hmm. off of um, their projections for him, but also based off of what he was able to do in that Golden State Warriors series yes. where he was arguably a top three player for the Kings by the end of that series and was a target on offense. So Keegan Murray is going to be your third option with Fox and bonus being some combination of, of one and two. So Kuzma's coming in here and he's filling that role of fourth, fifth option offensively in the starting lineup. And then if he's out there with the bench, maybe that bumps up to three, maximum two. Some, and mm -hmm. that's limited minutes of, of that window. So what are the number? Go through that. You said 15, seven and like what, two or, or something along yeah, those two, lines? Two or three. With yeah, 30, two, call it 2.6. And you said 36% shooting from the field. What's crazy three. is- from three, sorry. Yeah. Uh, what's crazy is Harrison Barnes this season averaged 15, four and rounded up two. So the the, <laughs> the rebounds and assists are worse than Kuzma. And he shot 37% from three-point range. So this is what we're talking about with Harrison Barnes. You're talking about replacing Harrison Barnes with a player that essentially is going to probably put up similar numbers to Barnes because of their role, not because of the quality player that they are. But in the playoffs, maybe they'll be a little more reliable yeah, like, that's Barnes was I... so passive in that series, mm -hmm. and that's that's been he's that's kind of his thing. Like he's just not a super aggressive, gonna go get it player, and I think Kyle Kuzma is. Yeah, well, and so that might help for when the Kings need a bucket in the playoffs, right? And may, and I still think like if the Kings were in the exact same situation next season, it's gonna be. I mean, I just have a hard time. I agree with you. Harrison Barnes was passive um, in, in the playoffs, and mm -hmm. you would love to have that shot back that he missed in, what was that, game four? Like, you, mm -hmm. there, there are certain moments. But also, Kevin Herter sucked the entire series. De'Aaron Fox was playing hurt. 
Demond yeah. Sabonis was playing hurt. Yeah. Uh, Keegan Murray couldn't figure it out until game four. Like mm -hmm. there's so many aspects of why the Kings lost that series. And I think a lot of Sacramento fans want to just pile it on Harrison Barnes because he's the easiest one to replace right now, even though well, he's extremely difficult to replace. I, I I would push back a little bit on that because all of the things you just laid out are why I wanted to see more from Barnes. Hmm. I felt like every game I went in going, man, if Harrison Barnes, they, they need a big game from Harrison Barnes mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. And they just never got it. He would have stretches in games where I wish I, I, I this happened a couple of times. I can't remember exactly what game it was, but it's like three, four possessions in a row. He's getting to the rim. He's getting to the foul line. It's like, man, this is this is what they need from him. And then it would be three or four possessions of that, and then he would disappear again. Mm. And that was the thing at that was the thing at UNC mm -hmm. in college. A super talented player, but man, you're gonna forget he's on the court for minutes at a time. Mm. And so that's that's kind of I, I understand. I'm I'm not gonna <clears throat> if they I'm not gonna call it a disaster if they wind up re-signing Barnes. Because I understand it. He fits. He knows what they're doing. He's more versatile defensively, I think, than than Kuzma is. He knows his role. But I also think that Kuzma makes them a little bit better. And in the West right now, you have to be getting better. Because if you're if you're not, like it's not like and this is not to this is please follow me here. Mm -hmm. It's not like the Kings won fifty five games. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of years where what they win last year? 46? 48. 48. 48. There's a lot of years where 48, you're like a five six, or six seven. seed. Yep. So you have to be getting a little bit better at least. And that's that's why I think Kuzma is a little bit of an upgrade over Harrison Barnes. I will take that because it means they got a little bit better and taking another step toward getting to that. Monty McNair said they cleared that, that step one. They're on to step two. I think Kyle Kuzma kind of gets you closer to that step two. And I can't remember if it was Monty McNair or Mike Brown that said directly, like clearing that step two, getting into that championship contender status is not just making it out of the first round of the playoffs. Right. It's winning 50 plus games. Like that's what they they directly mentioned. Like typically championship contenders are winning 50 plus. So mm -hmm. that that is definitely a target for them. I'm of the camp and of the belief that that 50 plus is going to come from continued improvement from Fox. Mm -hmm. definite improvement from Keegan Murray DeMontis Sabonis not being afraid to take an elbow freaking jumper like that's that's where that that improvement's going to come from and a Kyle Kuzma or Draymond Green or Harrison Barnes or whoever you plug into that position can play and fill their role to a consistent capability and maybe that's where I lose people is Harrison didn't do it consistently right. even though he was a consistent presence and he was reliable he would disappear and especially in big games and playoff games you can't really afford that when you're in this position but i i question like is kyle kuzma or draymond green or whoever the kings bring in are they going to be one willing and two capable of filling the role that harrison barnes has been filling is right. already comfortable filling and more than capable of filling going forward despite his getting up there in age yeah i and and i get like a little bit i get it's kyle kuzma kyle kuzma is probably not going to be an all-star and paying thirty million for a guy who's probably not going to be an All Star is really tough. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the the spot that Kings are in right now. Yep. And like I said, if you can figure out a way to get a little bit better, I, I just I think that's that's ultimately worth it because you're getting a little better there. And I, I think you made a great point on Keegan Murray. You figure he's going to be going to take a going to take a leap in year two, and De'Aaron Fox, you know, gets a little bit. Uh, although <laughs> it's like how much better. 
right. is he going to be? Right. But I do think he gets, you know, a, maybe you see fourth quarter Fox in the entire second half where he just mm-hmm. lights out for, for a second. Half. I don't know. But I, I think you're right. I think there's improvements to be made uh, with guys already on the roster. And then you add Kyle Kuzma to that spot. I'm, I'm, I'm in there. I, I, I like that a lot more than Harrison Barnes and then whoever behind him. So the million dollar question then is whether it's for you personally or for the Sacramento Kings, however, whatever angle you want to take this Draymond green right now, or Kyle Kuzma right now. And going forward, he's obviously younger. Like who, who are you selecting again? Your, your train of thought could be right now based off of just who you are or what you think would be best for the Sacramento Kings, whatever you want to lay out. I'm when I do this, I imagine like Monty McNair calls me. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, Kyle, help me out. I'm like, I got you, Monty. I got you. No, Monty. <laughs> I got you. $10, no, I, I, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking Kuzma because I think in a vacuum, Draymond is probably better for them. But I would love Draymond for the Kings, where he goes. I'm taking a backup role, and I'm taking twenty three million a year to do it. But that's not going to happen. So let's go to reality, and that's why I think that I'm taking Kyle Kuzma over over Draymond. Just for if for no other reason, we spent so much time with Draymond talking about non basketball stuff. How do the fans embrace him? How does Demonis Sabonis view that signing? How does his leadership take? I I just I don't need any of that. Kyle Kuzma can can help them, and I'll land there on him. All right. Before I let you go, I have to poke the bear. Even if it has nothing to do with the Kings, give us a little bit on CP3 to the Warriors. Come on. Dude, I just like... <laughs> Here it comes. No, no. it's I. Okay, I hate Chris Paul. I can't stand him. <laughs> but I, I used to be, according to my tweets, I used to... like. I respect... Here's the thing. I respect Chris Paul. I understand he is a Hall of Famer, no doubt, stamped top, you know, whatever five point guard you want to say all time. Like, I'm there. But he's 38. And I, I'm, I'm just out on the whole, just, you know, that picture of him and, and Boogie where, where DeMarcus is just walking yep. and Chris Paul's flailing. Like that is the, the image that I have of Chris Paul. And it's just, he was just a thorn in the Warriors side for a long time with the Clippers and then the Rockets. And even though, you know, they eventually got over the hump against the Rockets. Um, I just, I don't. The reason I'm torn is because I understand that the Jordan Poole, Draymond Green coexisting thing was never going to happen. Mm. Like that's what that's the the thing I think that's getting lost in kind of the national conversation here. It's like, why would you trade Jordan Poole? Because it was not viable. They were not going to win a title with Jordan Poole and Draymond Green on the same team. Mm-hmm. That was not going to work. Mm-hmm. We saw it last year, and it was clear based on how they were talking this offseason that that was not going to work moving forward. Mm-hmm. This was not a, oh, Jordan Poole had a down year and a really bad playoffs. Get rid of him now. That's not what this was. This was a Steph Curry is the player that they are going to ride and die with Mm -hmm. no matter what. And Steph Curry wants Clay and Draymond there. He does not want to roll with Jordan Poole. So the Warriors did not make this decision to punt Jordan Poole and keep Draymond Green. If Steph had been like, I need Jordan Poole, guess what? Draymond's out of here. Mm Mm-hmm. Like that's just that. So that's that's where this came down. And when you're looking at Jordan Poole's value on the trade market, his contract didn't even kicked in yet. 
just now kicking in on a four-year, $128 million deal, coming off of playoffs where he looked unplayable on both ends of the floor. He had, I saw this stat on uh, Reddit. He had 89 turnovers just in the second quarter this year. Just in the second quarter, he had 89 turnovers. That's insane. But anyways, it was, it's... His value, I don't think, was so much that the Warriors were ever going to get back like mm-hmm. what they could really so okay. The Wizards are a young rebuilding team. They can take a 23, 24 year old and let him shoot it 25 times a night and see what he develops into. Oh, they have this albatross of a contract with Chris Paul. Okay, we'll take that. And the Warriors will figure out how to take a high IQ point guard who can run their second unit and they will integrate him in and hopefully figure that out because Turnovers and basketball IQ were two of their biggest problems last year. And getting rid of Jordan Poole and inserting Chris Paul helps those two areas no matter what. So, like I said, I don't think I'll ever be in a spot where I'm like, hell yeah, Chris Paul. But I I, I think I get what the Warriors are trying to do. So I'm going to just, I guess, have to deal with it. I don't think the NBA is going to do it, but I would love a Kings Warriors Christmas Day game, not just because of the playoff series and that that built animosity, but just to see Chris, Chris Paul on the Warriors on Christmas and just see that for myself. And what here's that the, like. <laughs> here's the thing, though. I don't know why they wouldn't do Kings Warriors on Christmas. Hmm. Like, why? Why would you not? It was an outstanding. It was the best playoff series by like a lot, mm-hmm. by a lot. I I I think, and. And don't give me anything the Miami Heat did. I'm sorry. Like the the Heat were super fun, but they're not aesthetically Warriors Kings was was so much better. It allows the families to be around on Christmas, like near their their homes. Just put let them put these two teams in. You're gonna get a ton of viewership on it. I I don't. It seems it seems dumb. I don't know who else the Warriors are gonna play that that it's gonna be intriguing. Who so. gets it though, Sacramento or San Francisco? San Francisco because they won the series. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Although the, the the Golden One is a better building, he, or he said it. He said it, not me. Warriors fans are still listening. <laughs> was, you want to hate on me? He said it. No, it just it, it and it it's it's not like that's not to disparage Warriors fans. It's just like the Warriors have been doing this and making playoff runs since 2013. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a level of eh, to the regular season that you give Kings fans a Christmas Day game. And be like, hey, here you're on national TV. We're going nuts. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm taking it. yeah every time. So fill up, fill up Doco and the freezing cold in Sacramento. I'm all for it. Well, Kyle, <laughs> I appreciate you so much, my friend. Thank you uh, as always for being willing to come on, provide your perspective. We'll see what the Kings do with Draymond, what the Warriors do with CP3, and all these questions. Kyle Kuzma, maybe, or Monty McNair will continue to go in directions that none of us see coming and build something that's way better than we even could think about uh, or even do on 2K in a fantasy world. So I appreciate you, Kyle. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll do it again uh, very soon, maybe before the uh, the season's about to get going. Yeah, anytime. Let me know. Shout out, Kyle, for joining me here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Always a pleasure to have him on. He's incredible. A great follow, too. And, of course, if you call yourself a 49ers fan, you should already be familiar with his work at Candlestick Chronicles, that podcast that he does with Chris Biederman, who also covers the Sacramento Kings. Uh, and then, of course, Niners Wire, where he uh, writes a ton of just amazing articles about the 49ers, too. So go and check that out. But I appreciate Kyle a lot. Can't wait to have him back on the Locked on Kings podcast in the near future. Can't wait to have you join me on the Locked on Kings podcast tomorrow. We're going to have the introductory press conference 
conferences uh, with uh, the new Kings rookies, Colby Jones and uh, uh, Jalen Slauson. Uh, so we'll meet them for the first time. I'll have some sound from that, sights and sound from that. Uh, and I'm speaking with a, um, a media member who covered Xavier Hoops and covered Colby Jones. So I'll have that uh, conversation on Locked on Kings uh, as well tomorrow. So I hope you will join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.